0: Hey, did you hear about the COVID surge? Earlier today, Dr. Angela Dunn from the Salt Lake County Health Department issued a 30-day mask order requiring everybody in the county, regardless of your vaccination status or past COVID-19 infection, to wear well-fitting masks when indoors or lining up in public, Just generally being with other folks, right? So for optimal protection, Dr. Dunn recommends wearing respirators such as KN95s instead of cloth masks, if possible. The order takes effect at midnight tonight. More details at saltlakehealth.org. Now, let's get the show started.
1: Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Homegrown. Homegrown.
0: Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. It is Friday, and Aldine Strike 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, and I recorded a bunch of great interviews to share with you tonight. Coming up, job opportunities with Wasatch Community Gardens and the Green Phoenix Farm. Also, a Zamboni driver opening with Salt Lake County Parks and Rec. Skywatcher Leo T. with Many Cultures, One Sky. We'll check in with Rachel Taylor, who is just back from Monterey and seeing where the monarchs are overwintering, and she's got great news from Utah Friends of Monarchs. In Aldine's Urban Farm Report, you're going to hear from Symbria Patterson at the Utah Farm and Food Conference coming up January 13th through 15th in Cedar City, and one of their featured farmers, Stanford Jensen, down in the Gunnison Valley, will share some of his story switching to more organic farming methods, so stick around for that. But first, Aldine had a chance to chat with our featured local band, and that is Psychedelic Purple, which has a new album out. Too close to the sun. First, let's meet the band. All right. Introduce yourself to our listeners from left to right. Well, radio left to right. Tell us who you are and what you play.
2: Uh, I'm Elijah Olson. I play guitar. I'm Liam Williams. I play bass.
0: I'm Grace Linterzo.
2: I sing. I'm Max Plot. I play drums.
3: Why don't you tell me a little bit of background and how you guys all got started? I sure enjoyed having you guys at Tory last week. June. Oh my goodness. You guys impressed the hell out of everybody. What a <laughs> Thank great you! Place. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you a so fun much. show. Yeah. I had a lot of tell fun me, out there. Tell me a little bit about how you guys, how you guys got together.
4: So we all met at the School of Rock in Sandy, Utah, and it's a program for kids from the age of seven to 18 to learn rock and roll music and that's where we all met
3: and we- and, and you guys have stuck together and i mean the school of, is probably is obviously over but you guys graduated and you're all still together
0: yeah <laughs> it's been great so tell us about Love this it. first song before al introduce it
2: the Great Escape, um, that song really, Alex actually wrote both the beginning and second part of the guitar parts, and it was incredible. He didn't even intend for them to be the same song, but then it just sort of oh, came together. A yeah, uh, a buddy of ours had the idea, and it just came together perfectly, and then...
4: We it, all wrote it together.
2: Yeah, it was amazing.
4: We all wrote the lyrics and all the parts together, and it worked out really well. Um, I think it's really a a beautiful song. I it's very emotional, at least I think so, but it's really pretty.
3: Fresh and Homegrown, The Great Escape by Psychedelic Purple, right here on KRCL90.9 FM. <laughs>
5: KRCL listeners,
6: my favorite. From all of us here at the station, happy new year and grateful for all your love and support. It's many cultures, one sky. Look up, look around, look out. Skywatcher Leo T here. Get up in the early morning with a hot mug of your favorite morning beverage about an hour or so before the beautiful sunrise. In the southeast, see if you can spot Mars and big Antares. They are gradually getting higher in the brightening dawn. This is a pretty rare sighting of the meeting of the red show-offs. Antares means the rival of Mars in ancient times, because the red giant looks so much like Mars from Earth. Check the star map from Sky and Telescope on the Skywatcher Leo T. Facebook page and all resources for this segment. Enjoy the morning ornaments. Also in the night sky, Comet Leonard is putting on a final spectacular display with its ion tail in the solar wind. Discovered only a few months ago, the comet made its closest approach to Earth on December, at the climax of a month of full observing opportunities in the morning, and then became visible after sunset and faded. But as the comet continued to speed through the inner solar system, its tail has morphed into a twisted streaming streamer type of thing as the core of the comet becomes brighter and hopefully unleashes an outburst or two. As the comet blazes out across the solar system, see if you can find it with binoculars in the southwest, right below Jupiter and Saturn. Let me know if you find it. See a great photo from above Australia on the Skywatcher page. And an exciting space exploration. The launch by NASA of the James Webb Space Telescope on Christmas Day was an amazing event itself, as previously mentioned. And the challenge is presented to get the delicate rocket assembly to an orbit way beyond the moon. Webb is currently on a 29-day trip to its observing spot known by scientists as LaGrange Point, almost a million miles from Earth on a mission to study the earliest stars and peer back further in the universes past than before. The craft at the time of this writing is 605,000 miles from Earth on January 5th and deployed its secondary mirror in microgravity and in extremely cold temperatures and ultimately had to work the first time without air, and it did. Way to go, NASA, European Space Agency, Canada, and about 23 other countries working together on this. On Skywatcher LeoT OT, it's one sky, many cultures. Aboriginal Australians give the name Dreamtime to the era when ancestral figures created our present world. They call their tales Dreaming Stories, and they believe that these stories give meaning to special places and creatures that are still with us. One of these is the Emu in the Sky, a constellation comprised of shapes formed by darker areas of the southern Milky Way. Dreamtime stories like the one of the Emu in the Sky are amongst the most cherished. The Australian Celestial Emu stretches over a quarter of the southern sky from the head to a dark spot called the Coal Sack through the Southern Cross, then across the dense, dark region of the Milky Way to Scorpius, which outlines the body of the huge Emu. So keep the imagination flowing, look up, look around, and get lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T.
0: Thank you, Skywatcher Leo T. You can check out more Many Cultures One Sky reports from Leo, all his sources on his Facebook page. Check tonight's show notes for a link. Welcome back to Radioactive Punk Rock Farmer Friday. I'm Laura Jones, and Aldine Nine KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, is with us in our Zoom session for the show. And I don't know if you saw this, but uh, a changemaker is about to join us for your Urban Farm Report. The Deseret Magazine called our one to watch. We're going to find out all about it with our friend Rachel Taylor Aldine.
3: Rachel, it's so great to see you, dear. What a great, um, what a great honor! You must be happy.
7: Well, it was quite a surprise. Um, quite a group that uh, the twenty changemakers of the West, and I am referred to as the Johnny Apples- Appleseed of the Winged Wonder World. I love it. It's pretty what cool. What a great title! What a great title! So uh, we have some news,
3: and you actually just came back recently from the overwintering grounds of the Monarchs down in Monterey, California, and
7: tell people what is going on. Well, you know, it was, uh, it's been quite a year. So um, for the last 20 years or so, there's been an annual overwintering count over the Thanksgiving holiday, and that counts the Monarchs that are at their winter sites trying to not be frozen to death. Um, whether it's in Mexico or along the California coast and uh, out west, we've really been decimated. And last year, for the first time ever, we we've gone from you know four and a half million monarchs out west over four decades down to a couple hundred thousand, down to thirty thousand. And last year, we had nineteen hundred and fourteen monarchs was all. So we really didn't think we'd even see any through Utah this last season but what's happening right now is we've gone from the 1914 a year ago and there's more than 100,000 that they're counting at the various sites along the California coast which just sounds like you know an incredible recovery but you got to remember that there are some natural fluctuations you know the population bounces around a bit just on its own but there are also some big things that we're wondering about, you know, are they breeding throughout the winter season now or did Utah have such a big part of that population last summer? Did, you know, these the monarchs from Utah contribute to the bigger numbers this, this fall? So it's, there's a lot that's unknown and we're waiting for the experts to kind of, uh, well, we're learning as we go, but it was really fun to go see the site at Pacific Grove that had zero uh, monarchs last year and there, you know, they had ten thousand while we were there. And they're just clumped in trees. They look like dead leaves until you get a good look at them.
3: You sent us a pic some pictures and we'll include those with the show notes. Um really cool stuff to see, just hundreds of those in a one-foot little space, or yeah, you know, just oh, it was amazing. Um you know, we had such a crazy hot weather year last year. You know, and it just makes you wonder why and what. And I wonder what it'll be like next year here. Will we see more here? I wonder, boy, I sure hope so, because I, I haven't seen one in years. I'm sorry and sad to
7: say. <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty bad. But I actually, from my group, which is uh, Utah Friends of Monarchs, I put out a contest in June and July for photographs, you know, the first photo of a monarch per county in Utah. And we had 26 out of 29 counties participate. So we really had them widespread in a year that we didn't think we would see any. So they're there. That's just uh, the numbers are so far down. We're not seeing them. And, and definitely climate change is impacting it, impacting the population.
3: Well, Lots of good things happening too also. I mean, you guys have... Um... You've got, you're an official 501c3, and what's that going to mean for you guys?
7: Well, that just means that uh, I, I do a lot of work with the Department of Corrections. So the prison has an amazing nursery there, and they are growing out milkweed and nectar sources. So the milkweed and the native wildflowers that we can share statewide, and we're trying to build the program there. And so I got the 501c3 uh, exemption so that you know, I could work with those donations directly from them um, and get them out and into the ground throughout Utah.
3: So there's seeds available. How can folks contact you to get seeds?
7: Oh, my gosh. So I have tons of milkweed seeds that they, I could share for free. They can email me at monarchsinutah@gmail.com at gmail.com or join our uh, Facebook group, Utah Friends of Monarchs. And I've got a sign up sheet there for whoever wants seeds.
3: Very cool. That's so cool. I I want seeds. I remember you gave me some a few a couple of years ago. I had some different varieties and I had a little bit of luck, but I need to I need to stay adamant on that. And get some growing in the yard. Yeah. You know, there's another there was another thing that you sent me that, that there's a house bill to 224 and it, it's um it's to get a pollinator plants in the ground this year. There's funding for it.
7: Yeah, that's pretty rare to have the state legislature uh, pass that through, but they did uh, uh, pass almost a couple of hundred thousand dollars to, to really to help with, you know, all sorts of pollinators. So the bees and the monarchs, um, they want seeds and plants in the ground. And so I got included uh, working with that team on helping make that work. So it's kind of a collaboration of efforts and, and in progress, but we want to be successful so that they can uh, grow that funding. Yeah,
0: House Bill 224. Just overall, how can folks get involved if maybe this is a resolution for 2022 to help track monarchs, uh, like you said, plant the seeds? I know you have a training coming up in April. Um, just what is Utah Friends of Monarchs got coming up and how can folks get engaged? Well, the real, the, so the
7: real problem, and I'll try to be quick here is we've lost all of their breeding habitat. We've developed all the open land. So we, we need to get, we need to make sure that we keep milkweed native milkweed in the ground. And we have a good dozen varieties or or species and, and flowering nectar sources from May to September, they need both. And so anything you can do to either plant milkweed alongside with some native, you know, flowers, Uh, Just put a corner of your garden and and help. It's just connecting the dots in the habitat again so that they can continue to move up through Utah.
0: And what's the website or the Facebook page where folks can get involved? Uh, Facebook uh, group is
7: Utah Friends of Monarchs. Feel free to join. There is a a link on that page that shows you to the state of Utah site that we've got on Monarchs For just Google Monarch Conservation in Utah. And that'll take you to the state website that has all sorts, it has a calendar and all sorts of great information on
0: monarchs and how to help. Including the April 6th webinar and training, saving the monarchy one milkweed at a time. Rachel, thank you so much.
3: Thanks so much, Rachel. It's really nice to have some uplifting news on this front for a change. And uh, let's hope we see just tons of
7: them here this year all right me i hope that's the case so thanks guys thank you
0: our friend rachel taylor from utah friends of monarchs check tonight's show notes for a link and maybe that's something for folks to get involved with this coming growing season aldine i think that's pretty cool i love seeing butterflies and hummingbirds out my window how about you
3: always definitely you know it
0: well, I got a couple job listings I want to talk about. Zamboni driver is needed for Salt Lake County Parks and Rec, and I took a Zamboni drive or ride over the, the Christmas break, and I'll share a bit of that audio with you. But right now, James Loomis from Wasatch Community Gardens Green Phoenix Farm zooming in with us, Al Dime, because he's hiring, and Wasatch Community Gardens also has volunteer positions that they're getting ready to fill as as we're off to a new year, Al. So, hey
3: James, how are you doing, man? It is good to be back. Hello, you guys. Very good. You know, that that uh, segment on the Monarchs, pretty uplifting stuff. So and I know you and I were going down to the farm conference here and we're going to steward a seed exchange down there and uh, probably should make sure we have some milkweed seeds with us, don't you think?
8: You know, I actually have a large bag, uh, actually two bags of two different varieties of milkweed that I harvested from the Green Phoenix farm this year, and I'll be bringing lots of other types of seeds. I'm super excited to make it back down. The The Utah Farm and Food Conference is so, so well put on. I've always had such a great experience, and I look forward to sharing the seed magic with you,
3: my friend. Very good, man. I'm, I'm excited. This is going to be a great year, and Simbri is on the show today, too, and so we're hitting all the bases. We have lots of great information today. You're looking for someone to help you and it's actually a—it's a lot of help. It's seventeen hundred dollars worth of help. Is a lot of help. <laughs> Want to explain a little bit about it?
8: Yeah. So I—I'm uh, hiring for my annual uh, farm assistant position, which is through AmeriCorps, and uh, it—you know—it is basically a full-time job from February through the beginning of December. And if you work alongside me, it's a—it's a full job full-time job plus but you know folks who really want to get deep into into what what it what it means to be an urban farmer as well as working you know with the vulnerable population since you know the main focus of the Green Phoenix Farm is to provide employment opportunities and mentorship for uh, women facing homelessness as well as growing growing produce and you know we had quite an amazing year this this past season in 2021 you know, that gold standard for urban farms is a hundred thousand dollars an acre and we did a hundred and six thousand dollars on 0. 0.8 acres so I'm, wow. I'm pretty excited yeah. and and the majority pretty uh, you know all of the produce that we grew was donated to 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 low-income families and you know we all know these last couple of years have been tough so you know, sending out that much produce wow. brings me brings me a lot of joy. Makes me so. Proud.
0: Do you have the farm again? Because I'm worried that condos are going to go up on it, given where you're located there behind the gateway.
8: You know they they are coming indeed, and we are actually currently looking for um, a new home for the farm. So the we will be transplanting hopefully this year, but I think that's maybe. Uh, another segment in the future when I have more information to share.
0: All right, well folks, if you got some land, here's a call to help out Wasatch Community Gardens and the Green Phoenix Farm, because they're looking. That's that's pretty cool that you're hiring and there's lots of volunteer positions.
8: Yeah, absolutely, and in fact, we're hiring two other positions at, at Wasatch Community Gardens. We have our, uh, uh, our youth educator with our school and garden program, which is also an AmeriCorps position. And we are hiring a community educator. So, for those gardeners out there who who uh, are are proud of their skills and, and want to share that knowledge, hop over to WasatchGardens.org. And the very bottom of our homepage, you'll see a link for employment opportunities and internships.
0: James, uh, I know you used to the Garden Like a Boss column for Catalyst Magazine. People can still follow you though on on social and see what you're up to and get some tips for the off season, which I see includes soaking in a hot tub outdoors, but uh, <laughs> folks can look that up on their own.
8: Uh, and hot springs. Technically, I find uh, hot tubs to be a, uh, a distant second place to a good natural hot spring. Um, All of those like a boss articles for catalyst magazine are still online and searchable. I believe there's 57 of them for your winter reading enjoyment.
0: We'll put a link in tonight's show notes, James. Thanks so much. And you guys just announced earlier in this segment, you're taking milkweed seeds down to the Utah farm and food conference, Alan James
3: guaranteed. Definitely excited for that. We'll have some fun next week. It'll be great to see you down there, James. And thanks for coming on always. It's it's a pleasure. Thanks, y'all.
0: And now, Al, there is one more job opening I wanted folks to know about that. And that is the job of Zamboni driver, among other things with Salt Lake County Parks and Recreation. In fact, let me share some audio with you from my trip to see what it's like to be a Zamboni driver recently.
9: Uh, My name is Ryan Berenbrugge. I'm the building operations manager here at Acord Ice Center. So essentially, um, it's day-to-day maintenance on the ice, making sure the thickness is correct, making sure it's in good shape, good quality, maintaining Zambonis, changing blades, and making sure all that's operating properly, keeping track of all the HVAC systems and refrigeration system for the ice, as well as being in charge of all of the custodial for the facility and making sure everything's up tip-top shape.
0: Okay, you had me at Zamboni. Let's go drive that sucker. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, what is a Zamboni, first of all? Uh,
9: so, a Zamboni is an ice resurfacer. Um, almost everyone will call any ice resurfacer a Zamboni, which is not necessarily the case. Um, Zamboni is just—it's like a Kleenex. Um, so, it's a—it's a—it's fa- not a facial tissue; it's a Kleenex, you know. So, it's mm-hmm. an actual name brand, but it just um, is designed to cut and maintain the ice and make it look good after every use. It
0: looks like a giant steamroller, kind of.
9: Yeah, and it's—it's. It's, it's technically just a piece of machinery, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily considered a, a vehicle. It's it's more of a machine. They do a job, you know.
0: But come on, the first time you got to fire it up <laughs> was it fun?
9: Oh, it's absolutely fun. It, it loses its luster a little bit, but uh <laughs> the public sure seems to like it. So
0: So you got an opening here and they would get to drive the Zamboni. Oh
9: absolutely. It would be Part of your day to day.
0: So, so if the ice is around 20 degrees, uh, how cold do you keep the, uh, the whole um, rink?
9: So our HVAC systems are set to about 50 to 55, 55 on the, on the uh, patron side, sitting on the bleachers mm-hmm. and about 50 degrees over the ice sheet, uh, you, you actually get pretty warm skating out there after a it, little bit. you so. work up
0: a sweat? Do you oh, work yeah, up a sweat absolutely. driving the Zamboni?
9: Um, unfortunately, no, uh, <laughs> no heat, no heat either. So.
0: when I think of uh, Damboni, I think of it going out there and heating the ice, but that's not what's happening.
9: Um, so it actually does put down hot water. Um, our water is about 160 degrees that we're putting out there, and that actually helps get air out of the system. So when you put out hotter water, it steam out a lot of the oxygen. And so we have a more pure sheet out there. And hot water actually sets up and melts down the first layer a little bit too. Uh, we have a specific pattern that we drive. And uh, with an Olympic sheet, you have, A couple extra laps around the outside before you go in the middle Uh, with an NHL sheet they just do one as opposed to two Um, it's actually it was actually developed for rodeo back in the day is where the original pattern came from
0: what yeah How so what do you mean Um,
9: so on a rodeo when they would go to clean up the dirt and do all that they would drag behind to clean up and that's where this pattern actually originally came from
0: so from cows and cowboys to the ice sheet here at the Accord Center (laughs) <laughs> That's yeah, pretty cool.
9: Um, and so um, it's basically, you do two main outside laps and then you do um, over, uh, slightly overlapping circles that move across the sheet one direction. So our time frame to do an ice make is 15
1: minutes.
0: So if you're coming to join the scene here at the Accord Center, it's just 10 to 15 minutes on the Zamboni, but I'm guessing the first time you drive Zamboni, it's pretty cool.
9: Oh, it takes us, uh, I mean, it's certainly a learning curve. Um, <laughs> Nobody really picks it up right away. Um, it takes about a month or a little more to get really comfortable and really know what you're doing on the Zamboni. And Z- driving a Zamboni is actually one of those things that you never really feel like uh, you have it perfected. Uh, there's always something you can learn from someone else. And it's, it's always a learning process every time you go out there with another person. So. And
0: how many times a day do you do this?
9: Uh, depending on the day, it's three to five, so. Uh, and
0: I'm guessing if you don't have a good run on the Zamboni, the skaters let you know.
9: Uh, It depends. Some of them are a little more particular than others, but... So I'm just uh, turning the key here and firing her up.
0: What kind of horsepower does this baby have? Uh,
9: (laughs) You'd be a little surprised. It only has about uh, 50 horsepower.
0: So we're backing out onto the ice sheet here.
9: Yep. So this machine is actually 100% hydraulically run. Um, The drivetrain is hydraulic. Everything on it is hydraulic.
0: He's got snow tires?
9: Uh, they're specifically <laughs> studded tires made exactly for this machine. I like to start in uh, this back corner over here. Uh, everyone has a preferred spot. Like I said, it's it's really you learn everything and a way you like to do it. It's not necessarily a hundred percent science on where you start and where you like to start and how it goes. So. Okay. Um, let me. What are you doing? I'm adjusting
0: the blade and turning on the auger. And away Ryan and I went around the Acord Arena on the Zamboni. Check tonight's show notes for a video of my trip there over the holiday break. And yes, they're still looking for someone to join their team, and you will get to drive the Zamboni, folks. Al, it's time for another song from our featured band, Psychedelic Purple, Fresh and Homegrown. They had a bunch of gigs at the end of last year, putting out this new album, Too Close to the Sun. How has it been over the course of COVID? You guys keeping safe while you put together this new album? Grace?
4: Yeah, we've tried to, you know, we try to have um, gigs where we socially distance and, um, you know, we've had, we've encouraged people to wear masks and stuff, but um we're doing pretty well with it at the beginning it was really hard but it was a really great time to write music
3: and to record tell me a little bit about far away from here and the lyrics involved
4: okay so this this song to me was very special um i really like to write songs about my dreams and this one was just kind of surrealistic and it's kind of like for your own interpretation, really, it's just being from, kind of like it's out of worldly almost.
0: So you're it's putting the psychedelic in psychedelic purple with this one. Yeah, like- this
4: this song to me reminds me of Pink Floyd, yeah. very yeah. very much. <laughs> what like is Pink that Floyd's. one song by them that has the girl singing? Of- uh, it's off of.
6: In the sky, yeah,
3: great gig in the sky. That's yeah. a good
4: reference for that song
3: this is psychedelic purple with far away from here from the album too close to the sun fresh and homegrown on krcl 90.9 fm
10: for KRCL comes from the Mobile Moon Co-op, a female and queer collective and mobile apothecary offering handcrafted herbal products, teas, and cultural events and workshops. More information at mobilemooncoop.org or on social media platforms at Mobile Moon Co-op.
1: Utah has more than
2: 10,000 nonprofits, like Women of the World, which needs practical English volunteers and mentors. You can help forcibly displaced women make Salt Lake City their home and build community
0: through self-reliance and trust. Details at womenofworld.org. Welcome back to Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Not a Sideshow with Circus Brown at 8. Friday night, Fallout at 10.30. Now it's time for Al Dine, Strict 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, and his Urban Farm Report. Hey, Al, we're going to do a big feature here uh, because the Utah Farm and Food Conference coming up January 13th to 15th. In Cedar City, you're going down, and we're uh, sponsoring some of the events down there, Al.
3: Yes, it was a... We have the the ladies from Red Acre Center and Red Acre Farm with us, Sarah and Symbria Patterson, and um, some of our favorites that we have regularly. And also Stanford Jensen is joining us, and he's on his farm in uh, Centerfield, Utah, and uh, he's right out in the fields, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about changing over with him. We're going to talk a little bit about changing over from a um, conventional Conventional practices, which may not be the best practices, and we've talked about this quite a bit on our show throughout time. And um, he's changing over to organic practices, and it's a, it's quite a, it's quite a big feat. It really is. Stanford, how are you?
5: Doing well. How about you, Al?
3: I'm very good. It's good to see you. It's good to see you out there on the in the sunshine, beautiful day, out on the farm. I see the big fields there. And uh, this year the fields were fairly dry, weren't they?
5: Yes, this was a
3: a historically a historic drought for us. I mean it, it, and and it's it's a cycle, also correct?
5: Yeah, I think yeah, you have wet spells and dry spells, and we're really hoping that we're the end of our dry spell, where we've experienced these seven years of drought, followed by this last year, which was
3: by and far the last the worst drought in a generation. Uh-huh. A couple of years ago you 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 decided that maybe you'd put some of these big ag practices aside and um I'm sure it was a tough decision. I mean, that's a tough mindset to bust people from. What what aided in that? I know the drought helps, but um you know, I know alfalfa takes a lot of water also, a lot of water, but I'm sure there was some other things too
5: yes for me you know i was introduced to joel salton early on uh and just reading about his mindset in terms of i loved his idea of, you know farming in a way that you can farm for a thousand years and you know and, and the same way you are today and, and tomorrow and that involves trying to mimic nature trying to work with nature and in conventional agriculture we don't work with nature we fight nature we we take what is and we make it what we want it to be. We only want one plant to grow. Nature doesn't work that way. Nature wants a plethora of plants to grow, and so we decided to start adopting those practices to create a a farm that you know works today and works in a thousand years that feeds people and
3: and is also beneficial to the planet. So there's a permaculture uh, aspect all, all also involved
5: most definitely.
3: Definitely. And so uh, uh, here's a little bit, you know, recently I just watched, rewatched the the movie Fantastic Fungi again, and it's growing everywhere and there's millions of miles of it underneath the ground. And the first thing that uh, big ag practices do is they kill it all with fungicide and then they use herbicide to kill all the other plants so they can grow the one and then the soil is so depleted that they have to use gmo seeds in order to get them to even grow on it so i mean these things are no brainer stuff. And I'm so, you know, it's really cool to see you. And this is a 500 acre farm. This is not a small farm. It's a 500 acre farm. And to switch to those practices and to just get that, just say, okay, we're going for it. Cheers to you, my brother. Thank yeah. you so much.
0: Yeah, Cheers to you. Thanks. And you mentioned Joel Salis And I just want to remind folks who may not be familiar with him. He's an American farmer, lecturer, author back in uh, Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley, And he does meat from the farm. It's sold by direct marketing to consumers and restaurants. And you started a venture over the last year that sounds very similar. So you mentioned you're inspired by him. What do you got going on? Okay.
5: Well, so if we're going to, you know, adopt those practices and start adopting permaculture, permaculture, you know, that's, that's part of that practice is fungus and all in life. It needs variety. So we're, we're adding, you know, we're increasing the variety of plants that are growing in the ground, and and to and combined with that are the animals that we're bringing on. So we've brought on cows, we've brought on chickens. Uh, we hope to bring on pigs in the near future, and that's and that's just the animals that we're bringing on. But this is also supporting other animals. Just last night, I was out here in this exact same field, and there were two gigantic bull elk, just just in the field behind me. And I've never seen elk down here but why are they here? It's because there's food here. Usually at the end of the season, there's no food whatsoever. And even at the end of this drought, there's still a little bit of food left for every to share with everybody else.
0: And you also started uh sunny up sunny side up pastures uh, to do something similar to Joel. How's that going?
5: You know, I, uh, it's been really encouraging and, uh, just to just to see the response from people and and how many people have have embraced us and and love the practice and, and are you know want to buy the meat
0: direct to consumers meat like Joel that's pretty cool yeah. and um, Aldine Stanford part of the Utah Farm and Food Conference planning I'm guessing you're going to be speaking big article in the Salt Lake Tribune that we'll put in tonight's show notes where you can read and see and hear more from Stanford and his farm down there in Gunnison. One of the things I wanted to bring out really quickly before we get Cimbria and Sarah on here from Red Acre Center and Farm is the amount of organic matter that you've been working on getting into the soil at your 500-acre farm because more organic matter means more water. What's the ratio of water retention to uh, amount of organic material, Stanford?
5: So if I remember
0: right, it's every every
5: for every 1% of organic matter, You'll hold three inches of water per foot, and so in you know, a farm like mine. It would, let's just talk about alfalfa. So three feet of alfalfa on, or three feet of water on alfalfa is, that's what you want in a year. So if you got ten percent of organic matter in the first foot of your soil, that's thirty inches of water, and so all of a sudden, you go from you know oh, two weeks without water and your plants are stressing to you can almost go a year without water and and be fine and that means
3: a lot
0: wow al that's huge it's
3: mind-boggling
0: it's Mm -hmm. cool one of the other things that you make a point of in the tribune article again you can find in the show notes folks is the mindset of of you know you have 500 acres but you're thinking more along a farmer's market gardener and uh, they make more and you had this quote in there I wanted to share from the Trib article, a market gardener can make $4 per square foot. Your average farmer makes just over two cents per square foot. So this is another big mindset change that you're undergoing as a multi-generational farmer.
5: Yes. In fact, I, I thought that was great. You're, your, are uh, the individual that was just on previously, he talked about 0.8 acres, a hundred, let me say $108,000, uh, you know, I haven't said I, I I can't do that math in my head, but that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, for us for us to make a thousand dollars, gross a thousand dollars on an acre, we feel pretty good about that. And there's that's a huge <laughs> discrepancy between those two numbers.
0: You are on your farm and you've got one of your kids with you. Who's that?
5: So this is Nicholas.
0: You, you expect- and he's three. Do you expect with the changes you've made that Nicholas might choose to be a farmer?
5: If he wants to make that choice, I'm glad that, that he'll have the opportunity. And if he decides to pursue something else, we will we will support him no matter what.
0: Well, Al, this is all the kind of stuff that will be talked about at the Utah Farm and Food Conference January 13th to 15th in Cedar City. You can still sign up. And, of course, KRC on the Punk Rock Farmer Sponsoring a couple of the events down there, the seed swap and, and a mixer. We'll put a link in the show notes, but let's get Cymbria and Sarah Patterson on from Red Acre Farm and Center to talk about this, Al.
3: Sarah and Symbria, are you guys there?
10: We're here. We're here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I'm sure it's very hectic and, um, there's a never a dull moment, I know, at the at your house, anyways, at the farm, at the Red Acre over yonder. But we're gearing up to do the farm conference, and boy, oh boy, is it any more? It's it, it, it couldn't be any more important, I don't think, for us to gather. And for the information to go out there and for us to learn, you know, I started thinking um, in the article, it said, you know, Stanford, he's looking for help help for people that have been doing it for a long time. Well, Bob Flynn's going to be there and he's one of the forerunners in organic farming and uh, what a better guy to learn from and talk to about switching a farm over the things that you guys do to put the word out and get the information into our community is immeasurable, the wealth involved with it. I thank you so much. And I'm so glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
10: Thanks to you guys. Carousel has definitely made a difference for us. And that article in the Salt Lake Tribune, we can thank Stan for that. It's a huge shout out for the conference and the center.
0: What pre- uh, COVID precautions? Let me pick that up. We've been hearing about the surge of Omicron variant of COVID across the state this week. Um, we're still... About ten days out from the conference, so what kind of precautions are you taking or pivots you're making to uh, have this go off
10: soundly, Simbria? Well, I know you guys have been to the event, and there's two sides, and I'm sure this side of the venue we could have just used because obviously, you know, numbers are probably going to be smaller. But we're choosing, you know, it will cost more as everything is seeming to do so these days. We'll be in the big theater. So even though it can hold probably double what we'll have there, maybe even triple, people spacing out will be no problem at all. And of course, you know, we're always mask friendly folks who want to do that are welcome to do that. And we'll be in the hangar again, which is, I'd like to say cold, but we'll just call it drafty. There's plenty of fresh air. I was there last year. You can really, this this house is, it's an airplane hangar. So we, it, you know, it's close to outside as we can get without freezing. And um, I think the fresh air and the space and, you know, Bob Quinn told me today that he feels like some of the organic folks, the way they're eating and their lifestyles that they're it's a healthy choice and we've always kind of been trying to do something better, do something different. And that just the, the way we live, the the choices we make that we're, we're in a, you know, hopefully in a different category from people with high risk and who are unhealthy. And we're seeing that those people are hit the hardest always when they, you know, things that put you in those high risk categories, hopefully this group is not the majority of those who practice that kind of Lifestyle and eating, so I think I think that's the best. We're, we're going to have immune boosting tea too, right, Sarah?
0: <laughs> what about the farm tours? You usually set up a
10: couple of those. What's going on with that? Um, that's really fun. Stan's farm is going to be on the tour this year, so that just happened. Um, we're going to go down to the uh, Manti area. We're going to meet in the middle of the state, so we'll be in. Stan can correct me because I don't know the part of the state that well. Is that all? I think it's all Pete County, where we ha- we're finalizing today which farms we'll be going to. But Stan for sure is one of them, and we're going to the center of the state and just with watching what's happening with COVID, we're you know we're trying to decide bigger farms, smaller farms. So we're 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 changing as each day comes along. But Stan's farm for sure will. We be were on, on all the farms yesterday, tromping around. So it was fun to get out be in the mud. (laughs) Yeah. What's (laughs)
0: what's the mood among the farmers, Sarah and Symbria, um, as COVID continues on and everyone's got to make these, these pivots, but gathering for this farm and food conference is a huge morale booster too, right?
10: Okay. So you ready, Laura? I ask Beck, (laughs) he's a farm we went to yesterday and, um, He's an amazing man. I'm going to tell Al to have him on the show for sure. He, I would say that he makes sure that everyone in the state of Utah, I'm talking like Harmons, anyone who wants pumpkins, because this is the first year our farm has gotten pumpkins from him. And I kind of looked at him like, uh, well, we're not very big, mm-hmm. and he said that doesn't matter. That's that's not why he does it. He literally said that. It doesn't matter. He knows every pumpkin farmer in the state. And if you want pumpkins, he calls the next guy up and he makes sure it happens. So I said, hey, because he's very open. They have a big um, farmer's market there. They have a stand. People come there. And I said, how did COVID affect you? And he said, oh, it's terrible. And I said, what happened? He goes, I've never seen so many fricking people in my life. They were so caged up in the city. They wanted to come out. (laughs) There you go. So he said, he, I was so funny. I thought, so, yeah, I I think, you know, if when you sit in a cubicle or you live in an office, when people keep talking to me, because I talk to people from all over, especially the city, just keep saying i live on a different planet i live in rural utah there's just there's so much more space farmers are outside they're isolated all the time you know it's just you just have to remember everybody's perception is very different so i think for a lot of farmers they've been outside they haven't many of them haven't been to farmers markets they've they've been distancing themselves for pickups so for Just like Bob said, this is an opportunity to get together with the people that he loves and knows the most. And that, you know, we're different. You know, we're, every situation is different. You might not put out your whole team in a bunch of cubicles on the 12th floor somewhere. But for us, it, we live kind of in a different reality. So I, that's the best I can answer that one.
3: That being said, let's get into a little bit about how, it's, how the conference is going to go and what folks can expect if they go down there.
10: Well, last year, we weren't focused on anything except learning. So I <laughs> we took out all the fun pieces. We put them back in, hopefully not too early, but we're we're going to we're going to do the seeds exchange in the same fashion. That used to just be kind of a piece. And because Al and Joseph Lofthouse did such an amazing job last year, including everybody, and how much hope that gave to people who went, that James, who's on the call today, is going to come down as well. And his seeds were there last year. So we'll kick off with that and the dinner. We're doing our first annual award. Similar imitation is the highest form of flattery. We love what Slow Foods does with their um, award. We're going. We'll only give one award out a year, but it'll be to, you know, someone who's really moved the local food movement forward in Utah. And we're not saying who it's going to, but the lieutenant governor is going to be there to present it. So we're really excited about. Um, With uh, Deidre Henderson being there. And then that'll be the kickoff night. And then we're going to have the mixer this year with the photo booth. Maybe we'll limit the numbers. I don't know. We'll see how days progress, what we'll do with that. And we'll have Bob's going to be our, our keynote. And we have a lot of Utah folks, you know, I've always, we've always kind of brought people in from all over the country, but we're doing a lot of local people again. And um, we're going to have the farmer's market this year. We didn't have that last year. That'll be Saturday morning with vendors from across the state and the farmer's market forum for people who don't know for a couple of years now, the uh, extension has had a, I don't know if you've had her on your show or not, but there's a farmer's market forum and they're coming down and meeting at the conference and running their own track. So again, dates and website for sign up. I'm guessing there's still a few open slots. Yes. And the price goes up tonight. Not that we like to get more money from everybody, but you know, people are procrastinators. It's like it, until they see something's going to change. Wait, but the first, when the early bird ended uh, at 10 minutes to midnight, we had four people sign up. I'm like, it's we're just human nature. So it's going up again tonight. At midnight, the price will go up again. So that is at utahfarmconference.org. And it's a screaming price this year. We didn't do any kind of discounts, we just did one low price. And that's at utahfarmconference.org. And you can register there for the whole conference. Or if you just want to come to the dinner and the seed swap, you can do that Thursday night.
0: Aldine, you're headed down. You'll be bringing back some interviews, I'm guessing. So uh, looking forward to everything that's going to come out of that because we're talking lots of punk rock farmers down there in Cedar City.
3: They're all going to be down there and, uh, you know, a lot of friends and family and just people we all know from Utah. And the last year, it went so great because of the way it was, it was just us and our friends and we did what we needed to do and, and we'll, we'll do it again. And it's, it, these guys have roped me into being a moderator this time and <laughs> on a panel and all kinds of stuff. So look forward to that. <laughs>
0: Al, folks couldn't see this but the entire time stan was zooming in from his fields which are covered in snow beautiful blue skies with this kid and i thought that was pretty cool
3: it was it made me you know makes you feel part of and be and like you're there it was great
0: and that's our show aldine looking forward to the utah farm and food conference you're gonna have a ball aren't you
3: Oh, yeah, you know.
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get one last song from our featured band tonight, Fresh and Homegrown, Psychedelic Purple, Al.
3: So, you guys, um, where can folks grab your music? Where can they find you and, and get in touch with you? Maybe they, they want you guys to play somewhere. Give me the info.
2: Um, there are a lot of ways you can find us. I'd say the best is our Instagram. Our handle is just Psychedelic Purple. And you can find on our Linktree, which is also on our Instagram, you can find tickets to upcoming shows like we have one in February 18th and February 25th at the loading dock down in SLC. So, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. We also, you know, we have this music and Spotify and Apple Music that just came out. So there are a lot of ways you can find us Facebook.
3: It's so great to have you guys, and uh, it's so great to see you guys play and enjoy music, and and you guys write the songs together. I mean, you guys are on your way to just building bigger and better things with music. I I love it. Tell me a little bit about the last song we're going to play. This one is called Lost.
2: Well, Lost kind of started as a project at the start of quarantine with me and Grace and Alex, and it mostly just started with the guitar. Tar riff, and then we added some words And it kind of came together over time It took a few months, but it's one of my favorites
0: From their album Too Close to the Sun Recorded, produced, and engineered With Rowan Stigner down at Audio Inn In Salt Lake It's Psychedelic Purple, Al
3: This one is Lost, Fresh and Homegrown From Psychedelic Purple on KRCL 90.9 FM up
1: these illusions what a- diverse as singing we may must stay